Hey everybody, we're Cheyenne and Chris, and this is Fan Team Radio. And we're back for the 2024 Formula One season. Uh, Chris, we're going to be breaking down some of the off-season drama today uh, and then give our thoughts on winter testing, go through the Lewis Hamilton of it all, the Andretti. Uh, Really looking forward to it. Uh, Excited to be able to chat with you some more this season. What's been up? Yeah, man, the biggest news uh, on the off-season Formula One got everybody in a stir. Um, Craziest thing is that Williams finally put the screen on the steering wheel. Nah, seriously, That's though. Big, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know where you're going with that one. Yeah, no. I was just, it, <laughs> it's like one of those things like, you know, James Vowles is making big changes to Williams. But no, obviously the biggest news is Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari for 2025. Nobody in their right mind saw this coming. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, I have the guy's mercedes car tattooed on my leg so <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty invested yeah uh yeah i mean i i woke up saw it on my news feed and honestly didn't have such a strong reaction it kind of made sense to me um i think it's one of those things where the writings was, was on the walls um you know no one really talked about it a whole lot obviously lewis has a a relationship with the ferrari organization um I personally needed to buy new Ferrari merch or an excuse to buy Ferrari merch anyways. So this is perfect for me. Uh, You know, listen, he's going to ride off in the sun like a lot of other champs have, uh, except for Fernando, who seems to keep coming back. Uh, But a tenure at at Ferrari for a world championship driver, it just kind of makes sense, Uh, especially with Mercedes. not delivering the car that Lewis needs to win. You know, he's a winning machine. It's what he does. Uh, I think this is also a good transition point to hand the team off to George and see what he can do with it. Uh, But it does leave uh, a lot of room for movement now uh, going into the silly season. Uh, I want to play a little bit of musical chairs with you, Chris, and kind of see where the, where, where the dice might fall. But what were your thoughts? How, like, as as a as a primarily Max Verstappen fan, you know, what what did you think about Lewis's decision? Yeah, I mean, I think this really started with my favorite driver, which is Valtteri. I think that was sort of the start of this whole process of. I think Lewis fought pretty hard to keep Valtteri in that seat. They had a great partnership. They won a bunch of championships together, uh, WDC and WCC constructor. So it's like I think the beginning of the end was like Lewis not being heard or not being prioritized. And I think all that stemmed from, you know, after Abu Dhabi 2021, you know, Toto saw the writing on the wall that like Red Bull was going to be a competitor. They were on the up and up. Max was becoming a force and Lewis was reaching the end of his sort of career. And so Toto as the head of Mercedes has to look to the future of F1 and, you know, maybe his priority is the next 10 years and not just Lewis's eight anymore after he was robbed of it clearly. So it's one of those things where, you know, Lewis had to stop being heard. The future was going to be George and a bunch of decisions probably for the car and for the team slowly started just this little snowball. And I think a lot of that, I think that's why the car ended up ultimately suffering was because they weren't focusing on one driver anymore. They were focusing on both and their driving styles, their heights, everything is very different. So I think Lewis just was like, this isn't, you know, I had my time here and now I need to look to the future. And then we have, you know, everyone wants to go with Ferrari, has a relationship with Fred Vasseur and Ferrari. And I think uh, he was just ultimately listened to and given the whole world by Ferrari. And then, you know, I wasn't, I was shocked from just the, like the news of it because everybody thinks he was a Mercedes lifer. Um, but after breaking it down, totally get uh, and I think it's probably really good for the sport and will be really good for Lewis and his legacy. Yeah, I think Ferrari did an excellent job. I think I want to take a step back here and really give Freddie Vesser his uh, flowers. You know, uh, you know, we talked about it last season, Chris, where we had, you know, our, our share of concerns on him transitioning from a works team to Ferrari and how much of a pressure box that that job is. Uh I think Ferrari did a great job at placating to to Lewis's needs, right? I think they gave him something like a board seat uh, that that Mercedes just wasn't going to budge on. Obviously, it's a 
incredible payout for him. I think a hundred million plus per year over four years. Um, you know, they gave, they're going to pick up his uh, 44 initiative uh, that he, you know, his uh, social outreach initiative. So, you know, they, they did everything that, that they could to, to get the guy and, and they got him, you know, so now it's a matter of what are you going to do with him? Um, which leads us to uh, probably one of the most exciting silly seasons um, in, in recent memory coming up. And this is probably one of the, the, the probably the, the most explosive way to start it off. So with Lewis leaving, I would love to get your thoughts, Chris, on who are going to be the, the, the fill in drivers, right? Like that's a, you know, that's a, a really sterling job uh the mercedes uh you know d1 seat which is going to go to russell and then the d2 seat you know is still a really great gig to have and not as much pressure as uh as a red bull driver right so you can really kind of be flexible with the kind of people that you put into that seat uh but you know mercedes has uh kimmy antonelli coming up the ranks uh really you know uh talented younger driver and they want to make sure that they have room for him and the runway for him to succeed as well. So, so, uh, you know, I have my thoughts on this, but I want to hear from you, Chris, like who do you think are going to be your top three replacements for uh, Lewis uh, in a Mercedes seat? And, 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 and I'd love to understand if you think they're going to be long-term prospects or short-term prospects. Sure. I mean, uh, until winter testing, honestly, uh, Kimmy uh, wasn't on my radar. I didn't really know a lot about him, uh, but I watched a little bit of winter testing. and got a lot of, uh, feedback from guys like Will Buxton and, and other commentators. And it sort of makes sense. Like, um, you know, this kid is supposedly the next Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, and just sort of a force to be reckoned with. He's got all the talent. Talked about him skipping, you know, straight uh, in, into F1, depending on how he does in F2, but very likely going to dominate that uh, aspect of the sport. And, um the, the breakdown that Will Buxton gave was that Mercedes had an opportunity for Max. Uh, they could have signed him, but Toto didn't have the seat available for him and ultimately lost him because Red Bull was willing to give this 17-year-old phenom a seat. And, you know, the rest is history. And now Max is a Red Bull for life kind of guy. Uh, you know, that's what we said about Lewis, but... Until think, he goes to Ferrari. Until yeah. he goes to... Maybe Max will end up at Ferrari at some point, but... Uh, we're, call, we're calling it now, people. We're calling it now. So, yeah, I totally think that Toto is 100% looking at Kimmy and just deciding whether he wants to not have that opportunity because if he picks another driver, he might lose that opportunity to have Kimmy if someone else snags him up, you know, in a in a Mercedes Alpine or sorry, McLaren Alpine drama type situation with Oscar. Like, so I think if he performs in F2, and does a really good job, it's going to be Kimmy. The only way that I see Kimmy not being in that seat is if James Vowles has, you know, the cojones to kick Logan Sargent out of William and put Kimmy in that seat early and, you know, give him a ride until the following year if they do a one-year deal with someone else. That being said, if it's not Kimmy, you know, obviously I think my main two picks are Alonzo and Sainz. Um, I kind of hope Sainz goes to Red Bull. That's just me, but... I think otherwise, I think he deserves a top seat, and I think it would be great to watch him compete against Ferrari in another big team. But otherwise, it's Fernando for me. Yeah, I mean, I'll pick up there as well. I think Fernando is my first choice, uh, and for a couple of reasons, right? So I think everything you said about Kimi is really to the point you want to make sure that you have a clear runway for a young talent to come in and have, you know, feel the love and not go to another team, which is something that we saw with the Oscar situation kind of, you know, blowing up in um, an Otmar's face and an Alpine's face. So you want to avoid that situation. You want to avoid, uh, I guess, you know, Toto's uh, misstep early on in, in Max's career, not snagging him up. So someone like Kimmy coming in, uh, you know, you want to make sure that there's enough room for him to to come into the Mercedes family, whether it's right into Mercedes or through Williams. Um, you're going to need probably about a year or two for that to develop out, right? For him to at least like prove himself a little bit more and then have that justification to, to bring him into the F1 uh, side of the, the world. Um, I think you need a stopgap, right? So, so Fernando offers the perfect stopgap. And 
when I first saw the news of Lewis leaving for Ferrari, um, there's a lot of speculations as to like, does Mercedes get someone immediately right now? Like it's kind of an embarrassing position to be in, right? Like to, to kind of be caught with your, with your guard down and, and your best driver leaves to, to a really fierce competitor. Um, and no one seemed to have known about it until like the 11th hour. So what I was hearing is that Alonso would make a perfect kind of placement in terms of splash effect, right? Like this guy is uh, already a world champion. You know, he's driven for pretty much every team on the paddock. Right. Uh, Mercedes would just be one that that would be a great way for him to kind of end his career at. Um, you know, he wouldn't have to put up with kind of the <laughs> the drawbacks of, of being next to Lance Stroll and, and that entire drama of, 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 of the Stroll family. Um, and he, he, you know, I say he probably has two years left in him, but this guy could probably go into his fifties and still be crushing it. Uh, but, but you can give him a two year deal, get him in there. He still has that splash effect. It allows Mercedes to kind of recoup a little bit of that embarrassment. You know, they, they, they fill the seat with, with another brilliant driver, uh, someone who works really well with George Russell. Uh, I think, you know, Alonzo would be my first pick uh, because he would fill an immediate performance need. He would be able to provide feedback to, um, to, uh, to the, to the Mercedes team in terms of like, what does the 2026 car need with the new regulations coming up is great partner for George. Um, and he's not going to be like the long-term person, you know, like he's just going to be someone that, that can come in do the job really well and do it, uh, do it in a way that Mercedes, uh, you know, fits their brand. Uh, my second is also Carlos signs. Um, I think Carlos, like you mentioned, has a better chance of, of developing his career, maybe uh, another degree or two. I don't think, unfortunately, Carlos is going to be that world champion uh, driver. Uh, but if he's open to maybe taking a back seat to Max and just picking up a bunch of like you know constructors championships, that could be a pretty great gig for him. You know, uh, he's already part of the Red Bull family or he was a part of the Red Bull family. So it's not like it's completely a, a, a novel move for him. So I do want to see Carlos do well and I want to see him have a somewhat long-term uh, contract. I don't think if he went to Audi and had the, the D1 drive there that he would be able to really get any kind of hardware. Um, but if he is okay with picking up constructor t titles and kind of having that under his belt and just having like podiums going to Red Bull and being the D2 driver there, I, I see that might be probably one of the best options for him. My, uh, my last one is going to be Alex Albon. Uh, I love Alex. Uh, you know, I think the entire paddock loves Alex. Uh, him and George are, 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 are friends. They get along really well. Uh, to to your point earlier about George and Lewis being so different in terms of dimensions, Alex and George are actually quite similar in terms of their length and, and, and linkiness. So uh, the car wouldn't have to change a whole lot for either the setup wouldn't have to be so different. Um, the thing is, I think Alex would just be another young driver uh, that won't get them into like a championship winning, like, position right i think him and george are just so similar in, in in ways that it would kind of just leave the team at kind of like a plateau i think there's like the, the the possibility of the plateau is going to be a lot quicker than if you have someone like uh, alonzo come in um so th those are kind of like my thoughts you know I, I think that alex would be a good fit uh, i don't think he would bring them into like you know world championship competing form um i think signs would have a similar effect where he would come in and maybe perform decently, but not put them in like a constructor championship kind of uh, situation. I think Alonzo is like the best uh, option in terms of giving uh, Mercedes the next year or two with someone that's really venerable and, and, and knows what he's doing. And he's a great driver 
while also giving them a chance to kind of build a runway for for um, for Kimi to, to land on. So those are my thoughts on, on the musical chairs uh, in terms of uh, Mercedes and, and what the implications are with Lewis's departure next year. Uh, anything else that you, you wanted to expand on, Chris, before we, we hop into some other things? Yeah, I mean, I think the last little little cap on this is that I think a lot of teams are, you know, not thinking about this year or next year anymore. Like, I think a lot of them are thinking about what does our driver line look like for 2026 when the new regs hit? Because, you know, unfortunately, all signs point to Red Bull dominance until that time, you know, and then who knows what happens at that. So, you know, I think, you know, you bring up a lot of good points with like Fernando and, and stuff like that, being able to help really develop what the car needs to be in the, in the new era because he has a lot of experience. He knows the ins and outs of multiple teams and multiple, gen, you know, eras and generations of cars. So, um, the, you know, I think they're either going to put Kimmy in that seat so that he has two years of experience when it comes to 2026 because I, I just – I don't see any other team winning a, a championship at the moment besides Red Bull. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be interesting. There's so many drivers that are up for renewal contract in 20, their contracts yeah, ends in 2024. Like yeah, yeah, it's like an insane amount. So silly season this summer, winter, you know, summer break is going to be insane. Um, you know, and it's already kicked off before this season's begun with Lewis. So um, it's going to be crazy. And I think we're going to lose a few beloved drivers. You know, I think Bottas might be out of the sport. You know, Yuki could be out of the sport. I definitely think Pierre Gasly might be out too. Like, who knows? Um, I think it's going to be crazy. So we'll just see what happens. But a lot of new opportunities for the future. But, yeah, ultimately, I think Lewis has kicked off a chain reaction uh, that's going to be probably the craziest silly season we've ever had. Yeah, no lies there. Uh, let's talk about another big uh, point in the offseason, uh, one that grinded both of our gears a little bit. Uh, the story of uh, Andretti's uh, bid being denied again. Uh, F1 had their, re- I, what was it, Chris? The FIA was cool with letting them in, but then when it came down to F1 leadership, they're like, "Hey, uh, we're going to deny you guys because we don't think you're going to be competitive enough." Uh, something to that effect, yep. <laughs> uh, and, which is ridiculous because you have Haas on the grid. Uh, and and they're, they're not any in any position to 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 compete, right? And 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 what's frustrating here is the amount of money that Andretti would put in this if they were to have gotten in this year is like three times less as what it's going to be in 2028 when F1 has you know, ask them to kind of resubmit their bid if they're still interested at that point. Right. Um, I get it from the sense of the teams that, you know, obviously the sport's bringing in much more money. Uh, each team is, the value of each team has gone up substantially. Uh, and so you want to be able to kind of have uh, some sort of payout for, for the, for the owners uh, if a new team were to come in. I, I, I get that. What I don't get is kind of, how they're blatantly um, undermining the competitive nature of the sport by not letting in uh, what could be what I thought was a really competitive like package, you know, with a, a was it a GM and 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 Andretti like it's for an American you know team that would be great. Uh, I know Gene Haas has you know, this weird penchant to not spend any money uh, <laughs> on Haas. And, and it's, and you can kind of see what that looks like on the grid. It looks pathetic, you know? Um, but, but it, it's really something that, that showcases kind of the, the F1's leadership's I guess I want to say greed, Chris, is really what I want to say. I was trying to tiptoe around it and, and, and find like a, a nicer way to say it, but it's just a lot of greed. You know, these guys have uh, found kind of a money pit and they are blatantly trying to kind of line their pockets, uh, even if it means that the sport itself is not, you know, uh, the best that it could be and the best product that it could be. 
this kind of shit doesn't really fly in the NBA. It doesn't really fly in the MLB or, or NFL. Um, so, so I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Chris. Do you think like, first of all, w- what did you think about their reasoning to, to deny Andretti's bid? And second of all, do you think that it's worth them resubmitting their bid in 2028? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest issue with, the Formula One conglomerate of teams, the business side, all the leadership, is that the, their biggest mistake was they made the playbook, they put out the rules, and Andretti followed it to a T, and they still said no. It's like a false democracy. It's like you know, a rigged election kind of thing. It's like they made the bid so high in their mind at the time of $200 million, like no one's ever going to pay this. And then they have a serious racing team who has history in the sport, who has history in all of automotive racing across the board. And they have a major manufacturer behind them with Cadillac and, and everything. They've shown and willingness to spend the money to put the effort and everything in. And they're still denied because like, we just don't think you'll be able to perform. And on that note, you brought up the good point. Like Haas exists, you know, Sauber right now exists. Alpine exists right now. It's like, there's tons Kick of steak. Yeah, stay kick steak, baby. There's there's, steak, there's baby. tons of teams that are on the grid right now who literally have a very close to zero percent chance of ever winning a race, and at least at, in the current moment. And I think Andretti would actually bring fuel to the fire, like, and they're going to bring expertise. They're going to learn. Yeah, they may not be winning championships off the bat, but I'm sure Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes would be happy with them coming in and not winning a championship. Also, the sport is growing. It's so much more massive now. They have 24 races on the calendar. They're, you know, they're doing it big. They're doing Vegas. There's so much more money. And I think maybe that's why they're being protective over it because they grew the pie and now they have bigger slices and they don't want to add another slice. But, you know, at some point, there will be a moment where the sport just can't support it anymore. It'll break down under its own weight if it doesn't actually have authentic, good talent in racing and a good sport. If it's all just glitz and glamour, eventually that will run out. I think we're already seeing it because I I think I brought up the other day that Drive to Survive was out and it didn't even make the top 10 on Netflix. And I was like, yeah, maybe the American audience is already bored of the sport, you know, because we had 2021 Max versus Lewis. It was the craziest thing. Abu Dhabi, you know, you couldn't have wrote, written a script more entertaining than that. And then the next year was just Max, 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 Max. So I think people just already lost interest. So we need good competitive teams. So yeah, I'm I'm very upset that they paid the money, they got the sponsor, they have a history, they're a serious team, and they were denied for what uh, a bullshit reason that they can't really stand behind. So um, I really wanted to see, like, I I really wouldn't mind if like Haas sold to Andretti or another team sold to Andretti. I just don't think that's ever going to happen. So I I totally think that they should have been allowed in, and uh, after the FAI approved it. F1 denying it is just ridiculous, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you even have, like, the new team principal, Ayo Komatsu, go pretty much live and say, hey, we're really not going to be competitive. Don't expect us to do a whole lot, and, which is the truth, right? I mean, and I, and I applaud him for that. But should we be in a position as a sport where that's, like, the default? And that's, like, like you know, imagine, like, you know, I'll use NFL for, for example's sake, you know, uh, Cleveland Browns, Houston Texans, just in the last like five, six years, they were terrible, you know, uh, and, and really had nowhere to go, but up. And it seems like, and, and, and now like in 2024, you know, both those teams were in the playoffs. They did really great They're They, you know, they have this like trajectory that's like going up. Cincinnati Bengals had that a few years ago as well. What I, what I say all that to mention that they in, – in the NFL, when you're at your lowest, there's only one way up. And people will get fired. People will get hired. Movements will happen within instances to, to make sure that, that that timeline to success is truncated as possible. I don't think that concept really applies to teams that have been grandfathered in an F, F1. If you, I feel like if you just pay your rent, you know, like you're good. Like we'll, we'll let you stay. You're already grandfathered in. And so now you do have like this even more widening gap between like the front runners 
and and the and the back of the pack, you know, and it's just wasted space. Um, if the if what they're trying to do is get people to buy out teams, it, th- there's a two way street to that, right? Like someone's going to want to sell their team too, like. F1, if they're like, hey, Gene, uh, your team is not meeting the standards that we need uh, to, to kind of keep afloat. You're barely like scraping by. I think it'd be in our best interest if you sold the team. Like, I don't know, like how that, you know, I don't know what you could do to kind of um, bake that into like teams contracts or, or if that's even doable legally. But there has to be something to the effect of, if you guys just keep sliding by every year on the bare minimum, there's a punitive measure, you know, like we will like maybe fine you, like we'll keep finding you until you literally have no more money and you have to sell the car or sell the team. But just to say like, Hey, like Andretti y'all could have gotten in this year. If you would just went and bought another team, like ha, ha, like that option is not even open to to them, you know, like then you have, like works teams you have visa cash app rocky bullwinkle like like (laughs) like like, these are ridiculous like circumstances to to bring a new team into into the paddock Uh, another thing they they mentioned chris was there's not enough room in like the paddock space that's that's a lie and i'm like they made a fake one just to shoot brad pitt's movie like what like what like that's that's the reason that like you're gonna give it's just I wish they would have been like, "Hey guys, um, we miscalculated our our bid the first time around, and you know the sport has. If they're just transparent about, it, right? They're like, "Hey, the 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 cost has gone up. You know, like we need to recalibrate for that. Uh, instead of being like, "Hey, we just didn't think you were going to be competitive enough. Like, you know, like it just just these uh kind of baseless uh reasons. So. I don't know. It, it kind of grinded my gears, but I don't expect anything more from the FIA. You know, lining their pockets seems like that's, you know, mission critical right now for them after watching kind of the soiree that uh, that Lance Stroll threw uh, on was it episode two of Drive to Survive this season. Yeah, like, there was the first uh, the, on the boat. The first, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. First episode. Yeah. Like, the minute I saw that, I was like, oh, this is why, like, these are like Bond villains and you don't want to mess with them. So, you know. My favorite part is that Stefano Domenicali and Toto both needed wristbands, but then fucking Lawrence didn't. And I was like, what What the fuck is this? Like, what are we watching? Yeah, like that, that was actually really weird to me, like showing these like workers like stressed out about Lawrence's arrival. It's like, it's like, what are we at fucking Hollywood? Like, I don't know. It was just, it was kind of a little weird, but. Does it give uh, you a little PTSD from our CAA days? Hundred percent. Yeah, okay. that's what I got too. <laughs> <laughs> when I was watching it, I was thinking about the assistants. I was like, "Man, I know what that's like." Oh, I, <laughs> I don't get into it on the podcast, but I have a story where like assistants were like freaked out about almost a very similar thing. It was for a wristband, and they didn't want to upset their boss, and it was very, very stressful. And I was just like, "Man!" So that brought me back to those days of just, you know. But yeah, I can totally see why these guys are, you know. Th- they're all greedy. They're all businessmen. They want to maximize profits. They have a lot to answer for with sponsors and everything like that. But at the same time, you know, like you said, be upfront and be honest about it. Don't bullshit them with your like. You're not going to be competitive enough. Uh, and as for your question on uh, should they reapply? Absolutely. They should keep hammering down the door until they break them down. Show them that they're consistent. They want to be in the sport. If they want to actually be an F1, keep trying, keep getting in and then get in, make a better car and destroy them and be like, there you go. I'm not competitive enough. This trophy, you know, is pretty heavy. Get off my back. So, you know, I mean, it, it's, um, the, the other thing that, that I guess is worth noting is what kind of happened to Gunther, uh, you know, this past, in the past two months, I, he got canned in, in, uh, January, I feel like. So, you know, it, it was that a reaction to it, it happened so suddenly, you know, and it happened at, at such a weird time in the year, like we're so late into like the off season. I, I was just kind of wondering, like, is it something that's been building between Gene and Gunther for, for a long time coming? 
or was Gunther just as surprised as as uh, anyone else? It seems like he's kind of checked out. Like you know, it seemed like he would. He kind of knew the the team was going to be a losing season this year, a losing season probably next year too. You know, so 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 maybe Io Komatsu comes in and and maybe changes things gradually in, in a way that uh, I I, I want to see him succeed. Uh, you know, but I also think that you're really taking away from the fans at the end of the day, right? You're really not putting your best foot forward, but claiming to have the best formula series in the world, uh, which is correct because the other formula series are like formula E and formula two and like, less funding, you know, less, uh, I guess, bandwidth to, to, to kind of attract the top drivers in the world. But, but it's not like F like F1 is so great, you know, like, and, and what you mentioned of like the declining kind of viewership around, uh, drive to survive, like that's probably a really good indication of, you know, you might be losing the American market if you don't do something like, bring in an actual American team instead of just doing these like weird, you know, I like, I don't mind having multiple races in the U S but like at a certain point, that's not going to be like the way to, to break into the U S market in a way that, that is stable, you know, like that, like those races can come and go really quickly. Uh, I think having, uh, a mainstay that Americans can like really like hang their hat on, like like a team like Andretti. I think that's something that's gives the the sport more uh, staying power in in the states. Um, so that's just kind of my my bit on on Andretti. I think that they were done wrong. <laughs> uh, I think that they should also reapply, but man. If it's going to be something like this, I would probably like have some sort of lawyer involvement. I I also understand the fact that, you know, they didn't probably want to lawyer up this time around because, you you know, you don't want to be perceived as like, you know, like you you, you don't want to bite the hand that feeds in, in, in a certain sense. Like sure. you know, if you're trying to enter the, the, the club, you don't want to antagonize the club. So I understand that, that Andretti is kind of in a, in a weird spot right now with it and, and, um, I would love to see them, you know, in 2028, just reapply. Uh, I would love to see uh, F1 try to like Jimmy their way out again uh, because they're going to be like, oh, 700 million is not enough. It's actually <laughs> 1.7 billion you now need to, to, to get in, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I think it's just, again, floundering kind of brand uh, uh, of, of a team with Haas is, is has their you know, stay and, and a team like Andretti that has so much value to it. And the, you know, the GM component of it, like I, I thought it was a really great package, but who, what do I know? Um, let's talk about some of the uh, thoughts on our, on our winter testing uh, in the past couple of days, uh, you know, gearing up for, for Bahrain and Thursday, Friday, Saturday of this upcoming week. So it's going to be a little bit different. Um, what were your initial thoughts, Chris, on winter testing? Did it kind of align with what you were already thinking was going to happen, or are there any you know surprises that that really uh, you wanted to point out? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get to that one second. I just want to touch on one more thing about uh, Gunther. I think I saw that um, a couple days ago or yesterday. I think I read that actually. Obviously, there's two sides to every story, but Gunther came out, I believe, yesterday and said that uh, it was actually his choice to leave, um, and that. It was a sponsored dispute. I think Gunther sold some sort of big sponsor and wanted a piece of the pie. And Gene said no. And Gunther said, okay, bye. But um, I totally think that you're right, though. I think Gunther had checked out a long time ago. Strangely enough, though, I think it's actually good for the sport. If you've seen the last few seasons of Drive to Survive, Gunther's been completely stressed out. And then episode three of Drive to Survive this year, the juxtaposition of Gunther versus James Vowles was so mind-boggling to me in terms of like the team principal, James Vowles coming in, super data-driven, super interested in performing in the team, going into every little nitty-gritty detail and being straightforward and upfront and honest about it and just literally saying, 
I walk through the door. I've seen everything. It's much worse than I expected. It's time to get to work. And then Gunther sitting at the table and being like, Williams made a huge leap. I don't know how they did it. I have no idea, but they did a good job. And it's like, how long have you been in this sport? And like, you're sitting there as the head of an organization going, I don't know what they did. And it's like, then you probably shouldn't be leading a team. But, you know, yeah, obviously. I think, I, I think his shtick was getting a little bit old. You know, I think the only problem, like, listen, my as much as we've joked and talked about, you know, the legalities of Haas and, and Gene and all that kind of stuff, I, I just totally think that this team for, for Gene is a billboard. I think he's got, he makes more money in his other industries and it it probably pays him really well for everyone in those industries to be like, oh yeah, that's the guy from F1. Like, let's do business with him. Or, you know, let's buy, let's buy equipment from him. Maybe he'll give us box seats to races, all that kind of stuff. So even if he breaks even in F1, it's probably massively profitable for him and he has a zero incentive. And I think that that's part of the problem. Um, but yeah, you know, g- going into winter testing, uh, you know, Haas is right where they should be, uh, at, you know, at the, at the back of the pack. Um, I only watched a little bit of winter testing. Like I, I was able to put it on uh, every now and then, sort of catch the highlights, look at look at the reels and everything and see what's kind of going on and listen to some of the interviews. And, you know, kind of unfortunately, I think we're sort of where we were at the end of last year. You know, Red Bull's going to dominate. You know, we have Ferrari and Mercedes kind of in the hunt with McLaren in there as well. And then the rest is just kind of where they were. Like, you know, Haas is going to be bad. You know, um, Sauber, Kick, Stake, you know, whatever going to be. I, I think the only team that might surprise us is, you know, V-Carb, Visa, Rocky Bullwinkle, as you so put it, because they're taking a lot more of the Red Bull philosophy of car design. I don't think they're going to be great from day one, but I think that they could move up to the pack and be the best of the rest at some point. Um, but ultimately, just thoughts are like, I think the season's kind of already over, um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, we 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 know Red Bulls are probably gonna leap miles ahead of the pack, uh, especially with the the development they're gonna put into this car, uh, which isn't even probably gonna be that much. You know, quite honestly, they they somehow went to the no side pod concept and still are crushing it. Uh, I think it's a way for for them to just give a big fuck you to the rest of the paddock on top of, you know, just already beating them, uh, especially the Mercedes. Uh, I think the team that interests me the most at this point is uh, McLaren. I think that, uh, you know, go, kind of going back to Drive to Survive episode with McLaren, uh, it's, you know, they touched on uh, Lando's kind of unfortunate, you know, luck with with the, with his ability to kind of, get a win uh they talked about you know oscar coming in as like the young buck uh and the amount of competition that kind of puts on lando's shoulders and then they talked about zach brown which i started to realize i don't really like zach brown i don't know a lot if a lot of people like like that guy uh but he brings in money and i think there was an entire part of the episode about mclaren where he was just kind of talking to i think this was the ceo of 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 mclaren um or like the chairman of mclaren and it was so cringy you know like it seems staged it seemed cringy i say all that but their car seems like it's gonna keep on the development path that it had last year so remember last year in the beginning of the year they started in the pits and then they miraculously worked themselves out of it uh and this year, the the expectation is that they won't be starting in the pits. They'll be starting kind of on that upward swing that they had uh, closing out last year. So they, in my opinion, might skip over Mercedes and be fighting with Ferrari for the for the second place um, in this year's constructors championship championship. I think Mercedes is probably going to take a step sideways and potentially even back um, just kind of given the fact that they still don't know what this car is going to do. Uh, and, and by the time they, I, I fear that they will, will have a grasp on it. Uh, it's already going to be 2026 and it's going to, the rules are going to be, you know, different. 
so I think McLaren is going to be the team that I kind of keep my eye out for just based on the winter testing. Obviously it's so, you know, early to, to, to kind of say like who's going to land where, but there are implications that they were able to kind of pick up on uh, from, from the testing um, uh, speeds. And from what I've seen, it looks like Oscar is uh, coming in hot this year. I think it might be Lando's best year to try to compete for uh, a a race win, at least, you know, if their trend of development continues as it did uh, last year. Um, And as long as Zach Brown keeps bringing in money, I guess, you know, uh, it's just a matter of the car at that point is, is, is the the crux of kind of their success and their failure is going to be if the car works or not, everything else I feel like is, is in place for them to have success. Uh, but they're really going to live or die on how the car performs this year. Um, another team I want to talk about, Chris, that we were, we were talking about early on is uh, Alpine. So they weren't incredibly impressive uh, in winter testing. Um, they're kind of a lackadaisical team in, 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 in my view, you know, like, I, do you get the same sense, Chris? Do you think like that there's some whim of hope for, for them to do what McLaren did last year? Or do you think that they're pretty much in a, you know, in a boiler room situation? Unfortunately, I think Alpine needs to hit the reset button. Uh, I just, they had all of that drama with Otmar and, and uh, I, I, who was the who was the team principal before or the the head of Otmar? Um, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I forgot his name. The French guy. I forgot his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we talked about him a lot in previous seasons, but um, you know they had so much drama between those guys, uh, and they were more focused. And now they have all these big celebrity investors, things coming in. They also have a driver pairing uh, that don't really get along on the surface of things. Uh, due to their history, and I just think that they it was a uh, it was Laurent Rossi, Laurent, Laurent, yeah, Laurent yeah. Rossi, and I, I totally think that Alpine just need to take a step back, look at their philosophy, look at their driver lineup, and decide like you know their goals, like get somebody at the head who really knows what they're doing. Like we talked a lot about getting Mattia in there, um, I think that that would have been a great step for them. Someone with massive engineering background someone who's led a world championship team and someone who I think was unfairly let go from Ferrari. I mean, I think Fred Visser might start doing a good job, especially, you know, helping to bring Lewis to there. But, you know, ultimately I think Mattia would have been a good job for Alpine. Um, and I, I, I don't think that they're going to do good this season. I don't think that they're going to um, be able to do what McLaren did. I think they're going to struggle um, probably until 2026 at the earliest. So, you know, we'll see. But I just – I don't have high hopes for them. And there's there's not a whole lot of, like, hope in that mix. Like, in the recipe, there's not a lot of secret ingredients that you're like, this looks bad, but maybe it'll be really good. It just kind of looks bad and is bad. So um, that's, un, you know, unfortunate. Um, I want to go back real quick on your thoughts on McLaren. When my – so – everyone gets that sentiment that they don't like Zach Brown. And I get that sentiment too. And then when we were watching that episode, my wife and I, she brought up the fact that she was like, I don't, do you like that guy? I don't know if I like that guy. And I was like, is it a, is it that he's not really likable or is it that he's di- like, he doesn't fit in with the crew. And so he looks not likable. Like we all like Christian and Toto and all and Lawrence because they're these big flashy players. And I don't think Zach fits in that bubble and then he's not part of the click but like you know and he does like he protests red bull all the time and he protests vcar being the sister team but like those are kind of good things like you really don't i don't think vcar should be an f1 i think it should be not a sister like even christian and drive to Rive said this team only exists to find red bull drivers it's like i don't think that should be the yeah. case either so like I can't decide whether Zach Brown is like a bad guy or just looks like a bad guy. Cause he's like an outcast. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens, but like, I totally, um, uh, oh, and the other interesting point I wanted to bring up and we talked a little bit offline was, is that, uh, Vegas, at least a few, uh, months ago or weeks ago had Lando as 
the second most likely to win WDC, which I thought was interesting considering he hasn't won a race yet. So totally agree with you that this might be his year to finally win a race. And I think that they have that recipe. So I'm glad that I'm glad that you were like, because I know how you feel about McLaren a little bit. So, or at least the Lando aspect of things. So I'm just glad that um, you're watching them as closely because I, I really hope that they fight to the front because I think it'll be good for the sport. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess Zach just doesn't have that European panache that uh, <laughs> these other guys have. Uh, and, and, and that could be a reason why uh, people aren't the biggest fan of him. But, you know, he, uh, he brings in money. Uh, he brings in money and he has Google as a sponsor. You know, he, he's, he does what a CEO needs to do um, and then kind of leaves – a lot of the technical uh, pieces to, to, to his engineers, which I, I respect for, for, from Zach. I just think the way he kind of comes off, especially in the drive to survive, um, uh, uh, in the drive to survive episode, I, I was just like, man, he's really like trying to like insert himself into, uh, into all aspects of, of, you know, this show. Uh, so I don't know, maybe it just kind of threw me off a little bit there, but let's talk about V carp. Cause they, they came up a couple of times, visa cash app, uh, raging bulls. Um, what, I, I don't know what to call them. Uh, what, every time the commentators will Toro say, RB, baby. <laughs> yeah, every time the commentators say RB, I'm like, are they referring to Red Bull? I have no idea. Terrible um, naming. Just call them V carb, uh, to make it easier on all of us. Um, I, I, I have. I also think they're a really interesting team to keep an eye out on. Um, Yuki, just the sheer fact that he's been able to keep his seat at a Red Bull team for so long, for like the last three years, four, three years, four years. Um, it's, it's that and it's, is a testament to, to how good of a driver he is. Like, you know, it took a while for me to come around to like the Yuki is a good driver kind of like story. Uh, but, but here I am, you know, I think he's a really talented and consistent driver. Um, Danny Rick seemed like he found a little bit of his older self, you know, uh, and, and I'd be curious to see if that's something that translates in the, in the, in the car, uh, because it's not a, it's not an actual Red Bull. It's kind of like the Red Bull, you know, 3.0, uh, or one, you know, no, not even, I would say like. They're like the Red Bull. They are what Force India did with uh, the Mercedes concept. Remember that right. a couple of years ago where they were yeah. like, we didn't copy them. <laughs> they got uh, in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And then V-Carb, I think, did a similar thing. They're like, we didn't copy them. And I'm just like, I guess, is no one going to say anything? <laughs> like, well, like, no, Zach Brown brought it up and he said, I don't think they're actually cheating because they – you know, it's within the regulations. They copied all the parts that they're allowed to copy. Now, Zach Brown said they're not cheating, but it's kind of outside of the spirit of being your own independent team. So I see both sides of it. But, you know, they didn't copy it 100%, but they copied it enough, and it is what it is. So let's assume that the parts that they copied has measurable, like, you know, improvements uh, on, on their performance from last year. I think Danny Rick could be in a position to where he does really well, maybe snags a couple of, uh, you know, P9s, P8s, P7s. I don't think he's going to be up there in the P4s or anything like that. But I think the outlook on this this season for, for Danny Rick looks a lot better than what I was projecting last year. I don't think he's going to be the D2 driver for Red Bull, uh, unfortunately still. Uh, I think that the team is better going, you know, a Carlos Sainz route or, you know, even kind of bringing in the Liam Lawson uh, directly into Red Bull and having him skip the, 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 the V-carb experience. Um, because, again, right, uh, what we were talking about earlier with Kimi Antonelli is uh, you don't want to lose someone like Liam Lawson, right? Uh, and I think Red Bull does a really good job of keeping their drivers in-house um, and 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 you know, they're really sticky with their drivers, right? Like they're, they're able to kind of keep them and, and groom them and, and, and kind of bring them up into Red Bull. And as soon as they don't perform, they'll cut them off. So like, it's, it's a really interesting business model with those guys. But I think Yuki is probably going to have a better season than Danny. 
But I think Danny's going to have a way better season than he did last year. And if all goes well, they might end up in like P5 for the, for the Constructors' Championship. Yeah, I mean, do, you think, do, you think, do you think I'm off base in, in assuming that? What, what do you think? No, I, I, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, but I will have to say that like, you know, I think Danny, uh, I watched that episode where you get to watch his test on drive to survive, which was really interesting. Um, and, you know, as much as he's had up and downs, you know, like the fate sort of put him back in the sport. And I think he's getting really lucky with now Alvatari becoming V-Carb because he's actually going to be in a, you know, quasi-competitive car and get to show his uh, oomph again and where his mojo is. But I totally agree with you. I don't think Danny's going to end up back at Red Bull. I think it's too it's too late for him. It's too past his prime. The I, I think the only chance he gets is if Checo just like absolutely shits the bed and they want to put somebody in that seat for the half of the season. I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, um, but yeah, bringing up Liam Lawson again, like it's one of those guys I totally forgot. Like I want Carlos in that seat, but yeah, how do you pass up Liam Lawson? Like, I don't know. It's just like, we're right back to the musical chair thing. It's going to be an interesting season, but going back to V car, but just, you know, I think they're, uh, going to be right what you said. I think they're going to maybe kind of best of the rest. Uh, and I think it'll be really interesting to actually watch Danny and Yuki sort of battle it out in a quasi-competitive car finally. So I'm I'm interested to see where that team goes. But, you know, the naming thing, RB is terrible. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't get it, man. Yeah, me um, And the fact that it'll probably change again next year is, is also infuriating because then I'm going to get used to seeing V-Carb like an asshole for the, for the year and then I have to change that up again. But... Uh, before we, before we leave here, Chris, I want to get your thoughts on two things. So first is the Nick DeVries episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 sh- you know, he's our best friend and like, we, we shout on him a little bit, you know, last season. Uh, I felt really bad for the guy. <laughs> um, it, it was, I was just like, man, like they, they, you know, to, to see someone just fall, like in real time, you know, like it is, 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 is kind of a devastating thing. Like we were able to kind of see like the, the end results of, of everything that happened right uh, last season when we were just kind of watching and speculating. But then when you really put a camera in front of him and like kind of sit with it and sit with him while he's just kind of going through it, I don't know. There's a part of me that, that I kind of felt for him. I was like, man, like that, that, that seems like a really, really shitty experience to have to kind of see like, your season slipping away, your career kind of like backtracking. And there's really not a whole lot you could do uh, other than, I guess, competitively race. But then, you know, Logan Sargent gets the the whole season to do it. And, and Nick kind of got got cut at the knees. Logan's um, getting two seasons when he should have gotten four races. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just goes to show you how kind James Val is. Uh, but but yeah, like, what did you did any did did your perception of Nick DeVries change at all after watching that episode? So I'm gonna I'm gonna give two perspectives on this. Um, one, it was sad. Uh, there was definitely sad emotions to be had. It did feel like shit at at times watching him go through this. However, the saddest part about the episode was how shitty the freaking kitchens in a Monaco apartment were. I was like, oh my god. Like, how much do you guys pay? And this looks like a freaking one-bedroom or studio like in L.A. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this does not look like a multi-millionaire's uh, flat. But, you know, whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, my wife said the exact same thing. She was like, oh, man, that's really sad. Like, I, I feel bad for the guy. And I was like, man, this guy lives in Monaco. He's a Formula E champion. You know, he raced in F1. <laughs> like, fine. He went to school. Did he go to business school at Harvard for like half a season or half a semester? It's like, I think he'll be all right. Like, you know, yes. But you also have to go back and remember he was incredibly cocky last year at the end of Drive to Survive. When he got the seat, he was like dogging on Yuki before he ever sat. And at the beginning of his episode, he was like, how do I put this nicely? Yuki's a good driver, but I'm better. I'm more more complete. I'm more experienced. And it's like, and then you could just completely shit the bed. And then, like, he was, like, kind of an asshole to his taxi driver, too. He's like, can you speed up? We're going to be late. And it's like, and he's just kind of like, I don't know. It just seems like a dick. And so yeah. some, sometimes dicks get their, you know, karma. And, you know, 
you feel bad for him because you know shit happens and he didn't get his chances and everything like that. But unfortunately, that's what happens in the Red Bull family. They're ruthless. You know, they have guys like Max Verstappen as their as their lead, and they have expectations of their drivers. If you're in there and you just completely shit the bed, like you can't come in as a two-time Formula E champion, someone who's won F2, someone who's won F3, someone who's like dominated every sport you've been in, and then you can't even beat your teammate. I I just, you know, I feel bad for the guy from, uh, you know, you gave it your best, but ultimately he had too big of a gap between his success in racing and his chance in F1, and he just wasn't up to speed. Um, it wasn't up for the challenge, and he had his shot, and he got it. Most people will never get that opportunity. And, you know, it just didn't work out. Sorry for the guy, but you live in Monaco. I'm sure you have a great life. Move on. Oh, I'm glad I asked you about that because I was so close to being like, maybe he's all right. But now <laughs> I remember he's an asshole. He's an asshole. So, like, so, so yeah, so uh, I, I actually don't feel too bad about him. And, I, and I'm glad that he got what he deserved. He's not going to be um, working at uh, McDonald's going, would you like some DeVries with that? But um. Never mind. That was terrible. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna put in a laugh myself, but it, you did it for me. All right. So speaking of Red Bull family, let's turn our head, let's turn our attention to to the father of the Red Bull family, uh, Christian Horner. Um, obviously, you know he's going through a moment right now that is in Sterling. But uh, has Daddy and, been know, good this year? <laughs> oh God, that was such a weird fucking scene. Uh, I'm and I'm sure they edited that like at the like last second. But still, like um, even if it was edited, like watching Christian argue with Santa about how fast, like Santa's like I'm the fastest person in the world, and he's like, what about Max Verstappen? What about Max you Verstappen? Can, <laughs> you can see that Christian was actually getting irritated. Like I'm the head of Red Bull. You need to say Max. Like he's my boyfriend. I want him to love me. <laughs> I'm being serial. I mean, you know, so let, let's say, let's say the, the house of cards falls on him and uh, you know, he is asked to, to leave uh, Red Bull because of him being naughty boy. Uh, What do you think happens? Like, I'm just curious to hear from a Red Bull, like fans perspective, like what do you think helmet comes in and just becomes like the top dog and just kind of runs the team as, as he desires? Or like, do you think that they go on a scouting mission to find another team principal? You know, no one's going to be able to take Christians. Like no one's going to be able to fit Christians kind of shoes in that org, but they're going to have to have something. So what do you, what do you think that something is? Yeah. I mean, like, listen, like, I don't want to speculate whether, Christian is going to be in or out. Like there's too, too much not unknown to the public, but, uh, and also like, I just don't think I know enough about the potential team principal market. Like I would have never guessed sort of the team principals that got slotted where they were the Haas and James and so on and so forth. Like, so I don't know enough about the, the potentials there, but listen, I think every dynasty, like every major sporting organization has a time limit, right? Like all the biggest and greatest, you know, the Yankees fell at some point, you know, the Chicago Bulls fall. Like, I think Red Bull is never going to be Red Bull forever. And so I think at some point all comes tumbling down. So, um, you know, Max has a, a, a limit on him uh, for his interest in the sport and his domination in the sport. Eventually it'll be Kimi Antonelli or whoever else comes up to the ranks, Oscar Piastri or Orlando. And so I don't think Christian's going to last forever. So I think eventually they have to figure out this change but if he does replace i honestly don't know who could take a spot like maybe they have gp in there maybe i don't know max is not going to drive without gp so yeah helmet probably just runs things for a little bit until they find a suitable replacement um but helmet doesn't have that i don't know he just doesn't fit that mold that christian fits so I'm not yeah. exactly sure. he, he's also he's also had a couple of misfires, uh, you know, uh, with Nick DeVries being one of them, you know, bringing him on as as what was more of a helmet's choice than than it was Christian's, and you know, I I think Christian, uh, all you know, everything else aside, just kind of his acumen as a team principal and to be able to call the right shots really early on and have that foresight is is a talent I, I just haven't seen recreated uh, with any other, you know, team principal, Toto included uh, in, in, um, in F1. Um, 
now that 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 could totally change if, if Toto's like puts all of his cards on Kimi Antonelli and Antonelli comes in and just absolutely whoops ass, then you know. I would say Toto is also there, but from what I've seen in the past, just four years, four or five years is that uh, Christian has just been making really astute decisions like years ahead of, of when they actually kind of uh, uh, matriculate and and, and form. And, and, you know, so, so I think that's going to be something that helmet's going to fall really short of. Uh, and I think to your point that that's going to be kind of the undoing, the starting of the undoing of, of Red Bull's dynasty. Um, again, you know, everything's still kind of uh, behind closed doors, so we really won't know what what's going on until we know. Uh, the accusations are is that there's harassment charges against him uh, from from a previous employee, uh, a female employee. Uh, the nature of those. Um, messages aren't fully disclosed yet, Chris. Unless I'm, unless I'm, it's all you know, behind yeah, closed it's doors. All kind from of, yeah, order. so so they do a pretty good job of keeping shit behind closed doors. Uh, but well, I think the, the more interesting thing about that, real quick, is that this wasn't news that came out and then Red Bull responded to. Red Bull brought the news to the market, which is the only really interesting piece. Usually, a company, if they have information like this. They're going to keep it internal and keep it behind closed doors unless they just want to get ahead of the story. But ultimately, mm. like people don't want this shit to get out, right? Because if they investigate him and they found him to be innocent, then if if it never got out, then there's no reason to ever tell anybody. So it's kind of interesting that Red Bull put it out there in the verse for people to to see ahead of time. So that's that's the only thing. But I know Christian and what he's going through right now is a PR disaster a little bit for Red Bull, but. I worry about the PR disaster that would be helmet at the head after what he said about Checo and, and other things. Could you imagine like interviews with helmet and him just like flapping his mouth off? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think it could be him, but you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think everyone would be, you know, obviously if Christian did do something, it is what it is, but I think everyone would be, like you said, he's the best of the best in team principles. He's got a knack for this thing. He's been doing it a long time. And I think it would be a, a different sport without him. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has the best estate out of all of the 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 F one bosses, team bosses. So I definitely <laughs> would want want to see that in, in future episodes of Drive to Survive. But if he does something heinous and he's a monster, then you know I, I don't feel bad seeing him out. That's uh, true. You know, so no, the, uh, I, I it sounds like we have a lot of things to keep us entertained this season, uh, even though all signs kind of point to uh, Max kind of riding into the sunset again uh, with, with his uh, Red Bull uh, and potentially like, you know, winning the, winning the season halfway through the season <laughs> like he did last year. Uh, but, you know, with that aside, I think there's a lot for us to kind of chew on uh, this season, especially gearing up for a really, really silly, silly season uh, with uh, with a bunch of drivers in movement. So I think, you know, we'll see how things look uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday this week uh, in Bahrain. And That's uh, right. We're a day early this week. We're a day early this week. Uh, so we'll – we'll we'll get back together again chris we'll sync up do this number and um we'll recap bahrain and hopefully the testing numbers that we've seen and the results that come from that race are two very different things gives us a little bit more to talk about yeah i mean listen like if max does run off into the sunset like if we just ignore p1 i think we'll have a very interesting grid and shake up from P2 to P20. Like there will be, there'll be some battles. Uh, I think watching Ferrari, Mercedes and McLaren battle. And then, you know, to see who dominates, to see if Williams progresses further up the field, see where V car really ends up in that mix. And, you know, obviously we're expecting Haas and, and kick Audi, Sauber, whatever it is to, to not perform that well. But I think there's a lot of progress to be, to be had from a lot of the other teams. Um, and like you said, this is Formula One. This is motorsport. Reliability, even though it's much better these days, is always a factor. And anything can happen once the lights go out. So 
Um, I'm excited to get started and I'm excited it's a day early. So looking forward to doing Bahrain with you in just a few days and finally get this F1 season off the ground. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to it. Uh, race is going to be Saturday the 2nd. Um, I'm excited. You know, hopefully my Mercedes can can kind of surprise the world and, and really um, at least try to get P3. <laughs> All right, Chris, with, uh, with that being said, we'll see everyone next week. Have a good one. Thank you for listening. Cheyenne and I would love for you to join the Fan Team Radio community. So please like, subscribe, or follow on your platform of choice, and we'll see you next time.